This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. Not that it uh, really matters, you know, that um, that we now have what looks like real evidence that the Israeli defense forces did not hit the hospital in Gaza. The satellite pictures prove that it was a rogue missile that Hamas fired. But, but trust me, that won't change public opinion at all. And now you have Iran talking about your time is up. Really, whose time is up? The world's time is up? America's time is up? Israel's time is up? Showdown. Tehran is doing a crash course on how to bomb. You got protests all across the Middle East. We had to evacuate evacuate our embassy in Lebanon. A drone attack was intercepted in Iraq. And in London, Jews can't wear a yarmulke or a, a Jewish star, although they'll paint one on your door. That's what's coming. You had eight airports in France forced to evacuate for security reasons. It's a powder keg. And I didn't even get to what we're hearing here in the United States. Because I'm not trying to scare you all to death. But you better wake up. And you better face the facts that uh, we got some serious issues Fatal stabbing in Illinois, a gun pointed at protesters in Pennsylvania, vandalism at synagogues, harassment of staff at a Palestinian restaurant. All of this is because people are inflamed. A war between Israel and Hamas is creating a tremendous amount of friction on the street level and not just in the Middle East. This is the usual pattern of crimes against Jewish people and against Muslim communities because whenever conflict erupts in the Middle East and Americans get killed or taken hostage, American faith communities pay the price. It's too soon to say with any certainty whether there's been an increase in these kinds of crimes during this almost two-week war because hate crimes overall increased last year. In an annual report, Report. I'm just talking, my brain is moving at lightning speed. There was an annual report that the FBI put out just this week, I think it was a Monday, and they estimated that hate crimes increased by 7% in 2022 compared to 2021, with 1,124 incidents, anti-Jewish attacks, were the second most reported hate crimes after anti-black cases. 
There were 158 reported incidents of anti-Muslim attacks and 92 reports of anti-Arab cases, according to the same report. Civil rights organizations, however, believe that even before the Hamas attacks in Israel, that the crime data doesn't really reflect what's going on because there's a, a, a lack of reporting, a lack of participation by local police departments, and there's an internalized fear among certain populations. Muslim population, for one, according to the Council on Islamic American Relations, American Islamic Relations, CARE, I don't believe a word they say. But guess what? Jews don't like to admit it either. Islamophobia, anti-Semitism, even the people who are targeted have a really tough time admitting it. And one of the most troubling incidents. Now, this is how the American media reports, right? The AP says, in one of the most troubling incidents, a landlord in Plainfield, Illinois, is accused of attacking a Palestinian-American tenant and her son with a knife on Saturday. Okay. We have absolutely no evidence that this landlord targeted anybody because of their faith. We don't know. The sheriff, the prosecutors, and the family, oh, yeah, they want to jump in on that. But this was a landlord. Landlords who attack their tenants are really a strange breed, right? More often than not, it's over money. But if the landlord was angry for what was going on in Jerusalem and he was fearful that he would be attacked, then there should be some evidence. There should be conversations. There should be threats. You don't hear any of that. In Pennsylvania, a man was charged with felony ethnic intimidation. Did you even know that there was such a thing as ethnic intimidation? In Boston, the word Nazis was spray-painted across the sign for the Palestinian Cultural Center. So all they want to talk about in the Associated Press is the two or three incidents of some sort of anti-Islamic event. Meanwhile, anti-Jewish hate crimes have increased exponentially. There was a spike in anti-Jewish hate crimes from 79 incidents in March of 1994 to 147 a month after there was the American-Israeli who opened fire uh, on a Palestinian Muslims in a mosque, which was when I was about to go over to Israel in, the, in March of 94, and half the people dropped out of the trip. It was a a radio trip. There were two hosts going, me and Al Rantel. And when that incident took place, half the trip dropped out and it ended up just being me going with the, some listeners, half as many listeners. So stuff happens. This is none, none of this is new. But here's the problem. You're going to get the most biased and self-satisfying news coming out of the mainstream media. You know, nobody wants to talk about the fact that inside Israel, and I was on the phone with Israel just earlier. I was actually at a Habitat for Humanity house uh, building up in Palm Beach County with a bunch of the radio employees. We went there to 
do some external painting and, and stuff. And in the middle of it, I had a, a call to speak on a radio program, an English language radio program, right? So I had to go into my car and do this. And I'm listening to the host tell me that every single person that he knows and that his wife knows, she was also there, is either at a funeral or has been drafted, either knows somebody who's at a funeral or has been drafted to go fight in the war. It's very personal. Very, very personal. And, and we're sitting here and looking at the violence and we're really trying to figure out wh wh what happens next. Who do we believe? What do we do? You got America, the so-called land of the free and home of the brave, just got a warning out of Homeland Security. Yeah. The warning says that uh, we have a heightened threat environment and they are very concerned about attacks on Jewish Americans, Arab Americans, and Muslim Americans. Now, how does someone distinguish between an Arab American and a Muslim American? I'm just curious. I mean, is it only because of the clothing? I mean, I don't presume that every Arab American is a Muslim, but I also presume that every Muslim um, of uh, Arab descent is still primarily an Arab American. So now you have all this stuff going on in Israel and in Gaza. So everybody here in the States knows somebody who has either been targeted. I had somebody tell me just yesterday, a friend of theirs, you know, had personal experience with, a, you know, a member of their staff that's Palestinian and was on the phone and got a phone call saying, you know, your cousin is just, uh, they just dropped a, a, a explosive on his house. So on both sides, everybody here knows somebody there. There's no Jews in America who don't have family in Israel who aren't being directly affected by this. There's no Palestinian Americans, if that's what they call themselves, who don't have family members still in Palestine, including our congresswomen. You know, Rashida Tlaib's got a grandmother over there, right? So everybody knows somebody, and everybody's pretty darn ticked off, and we have no confidence in our government. Or at least nobody I talk to does. We've got a dysfunctional Congress where one side of the aisle can't elect a speaker, even though they have a slim majority, they should be able to elect a speaker, right? We got the other side of the aisle laughing laughing and acting like this is all a, you know, a big joke. Meanwhile, our country's on stop. But it pales in comparison to bombs dropping overhead, doesn't it? Al-Qaeda, ISIS, and Hezbollah are all looking to take advantage of the fury that's out there, the intensity of anger that's out there on both sides. And they want to incite violence right here in the United States. Department of Homeland Security has to be concerned and is. And Israel and Gaza are going to inspire lone wolves, as they like to call them. And there'll be clashes at all these protests. And 
it's just going to get worse. You know, right now the people who are in Gaza have run out of water or they're running out of water. They just lost a major hospital at their own stupid hands. And there seems to be a great deal of evidence that it was a rogue um, Hamas rocket. But that doesn't take a... That doesn't make anybody feel better about the 500 people who died in the hospital, does it? Doesn't make me feel any better. And now you got sewage pollution. So there's going to be cholera and all these other diseases. This is a, a, a very, very serious situation. And as I said before, every Palestinian who's got family here in America and has family in, uh, in the Middle East is getting pretty darn upset about this. They got 65 sewage pumping stations that have been closed in Gaza. So that means the waste is just being discharged into the sea and onto the streets. No fuel, no water, no basic utilities, all cut off. And this is what Hamas did to its own people. Israel had no choice but to cut them off. So the chaotic nature of where all these displaced people are now and where they're going to go does not bode well. President's in Tel Aviv. I didn't want him to go to Israel. I told you all that yesterday. Mm -mm. He's not real quick. And, you know, I'm sure there may be an occasion for somebody to yell, duck! In his remarks, he urged the Israeli government and the country's citizens not to make the same mistakes as the U.S. in the years after September 11th's terrorist attacks. What mistakes exactly did we make? We went after the bad guys? Was that a mistake? President Biden told Benjamin Netanyahu, I caution, while you feel that rage, don't be consumed by it. Really? Well, let me ask everybody in my listening audience. If you find out that they've come into communities in your, in your neighborhood, if they came into Coconut Creek or, or Margate or, or Pompano Beach and started yanking toddlers out of their mother's hands, raping young girls at a music festival, do you really think we'd be sitting around going like, we must not be consumed by rage. Let's measure our response. You know, just because the war on terror that the Bush administration launched didn't quite pan out, Ended up being an eight-year U.S. war in Iraq, which claimed hundreds of thousands of lives. 4,000 American service members, hundreds of thousands of Iraqis. How do you tell somebody whose country's been hit the way Bibi Netanyahu's country has been hit to uh, be careful, don't make mistakes? Go tell it to uh, the folks in Ramallah. Go tell it to the folks in Lebanon. Go tell it to the Palestinian, mostly young men, by the way using slingshots now to go after the people. Ugh. All right, I'm just going to try and calm myself down. Takes every bit of, I don't know, I don't even have anything left to use to calm myself down. Stay right where you are. Don't forget to download the app, the 850WFTL app, as well as visit the website, 850WFTL.com, so you can hear the No Restraint podcast. You can hear all of our podcasts across the station, and you can also participate in the giveaways, contests, get Storm Central updates and all that good stuff. One break in, uh, in this moment. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? 
you need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. So they're, uh, you know, now they're, they're killing themselves. You know, wh- why wouldn't you think that they would fail miserably at executing any kind of battle plan? You know, their battle plan is kill as many people as possible, even your own people. So the IDF releases a, a video of a rocket being launched and failing and falling uh, alongside of the hospital or inside, at, on top of the hospital, basically. And they post that clip to X, formerly known as Twitter. And then they posted a wiretap phone call between two operatives that are working within the Palestinian militant group, okay? And, and you can hear the terrorists as they realize that it wasn't the IDF. They literally say, Islamic Jihad struck a hospital in Gaza. The IDF did not. I'm telling you, this is the first time that we see a missile like this falling. And the second militant responds, and so that's why we are saying it belongs to the Palestinian Islamic Jihad. And the first speaker says, what? Before the other replies, they are saying it belongs to Palestinian Islamic Jihad. It's from us? Asked the first Hamas operative, and the other responds, it looks like it. Now, this is a pretty chilling phone call, right? It goes on, and the second speaker explains that the shrapnel from the rocket missile was local shrapnel, not like Israeli shrapnel. Then there's a few more seconds of silence, and one adds, but God bless, it couldn't have found another place to explode? (laughs) So the deadly rocket was launched from a cemetery, just a little distance away from the hospital. They shot it coming from the cemetery behind the hospital. So it misfired and it fell on the hospital. And then the two of them discussed the cemetery's location before the second speaker admits to knowing of it. This is just one of several pieces of evidence that Israel has been putting out there to show that it didn't do it. It did not bomb the hospital. Israel doesn't do that. Two hours before they posted that recording, it did show some drone footage from the Air Force, the Israeli Air Force, that showed the hospital before and after the overnight destruction. A failed rocket launch by the Islamic Jihad terrorist organization hit the Al-Ahili or Al-Ahli hospital in Gaza City. Footage from the area around the hospital before and after the failed rocket launch by the Islamic Jihad organization. Another terrorist organization. This is what you get. When you're a terrorist organization, 
And there's multiple terrorist organizations. They don't care if they kill you or kill Jews. They just want to kill. It's a bloodlust that's going on right now. There was no big crater, which says it wasn't an Israeli airstrike. Because if Israel drops a bomb from above, there's a crater. There's a big crater. And there's damage to all the buildings that surround the area where the crater is. That's not there. Instead, there's footage which shows rockets being fired from near the hospital. This is proof of Israel's claims that it was actually missiles from the Gaza Strip that was shot in the direction of the hospital in Gaza City. I mean, it, it just makes me so angry and so sad that they do this to their own people. That's exactly what Golda Meir said. There will not be peace in the Middle East until you love your children more than you hate ours. Or as Dan Bongino always points out, when she says, you know, uh, that this is not, what upsets the Jewish people in Israel is not that they kill their children, it's that they force the Israeli people to, ch to kill their children. That any child should have to die that the army's assessment is based on intelligence information from several sources. And trust me, Joseph Robinette Biden is there right now. And if he gets on television, as he did, and says all of the ana analysis um, makes it quite clear that an enemy rocket barrage was launched towards Israel and passed in the vicinity of the hospital when it was hit. So Islamic Jihad is responsible for killing 500 people who were seeking refuge in a hospital in Gaza. So you see, Islamic Jihad doesn't care if it kills innocents. It doesn't care if the innocents are Jewish or the innocents are uh, Palestinians. It doesn't care. That, that should tell you everything you need to know. A rocket aimed at Israel misfired, exploded. At the exact same moment, a hospital was hit in Gaza. I don't know. What else was hit by that misfired rocket in the video? You know, Israel, first and foremost, does not intentionally strike any sensitive facilities, especially hospitals and schools. Doesn't do it. Have accidents happened? Absolutely. Do they know that that the uh, Islamic Jihad and the uh, Hamas and the Fatah love to hide civilians in the middle, you know, love to hide uh, military in the middle of civilians, in the middle of, of schools, in the middle of hospitals. Yeah, they do. They still don't bomb them. They still don't do it. So when, a bomb, when, it, when an explosion happens at a hospital, you could be pretty sure that it probably wasn't uh, the IDF. And now we see all this evidence even a recorded conversation between two terrorists that admit it wasn't uh, the IDF, it was Islamic Jihad. A failed rocket launch. I mean, the footage is hard, horrible. Don't watch it. The flames are around the building, bodies everywhere, many of them young children. Blood-soaked sheets covering a huge pile. That's all you can see of what, what's left of the hospital grounds. 
and, and this is a hospital that at the time was full of wounded people, dead people, dismembered bodies. And uh, now we know that the number of killed in that hospital exceeds 500. And the number will increase because there were a lot of uh, bodies in parts. Mm. And the number of children who were killed exceeds 50%. I don't know. This is just getting more horrific by the moment. And the more horrific it gets, the more likely there's going to be a lot of trouble on the street, not just in the Arab street, but here in America and Europe. They're already bracing in France, bracing in England, bracing in Spain. So, look, you know, I'm not alone when I tell you they better get a handle on this real quick. And you better actually hope that the Israeli forces are able to root out Hamas really quick and bring this to some kind of end. Because otherwise, this is most definitely going to start a conflagration, a World War III. That's all. That's what they want. That's actually what they want. Unlike you and me, unlike Israel, they want the caliphate. They don't care how it comes about. They don't care how many innocent people have to die. They don't. So steal yourself. If you think the, the footage was horrible this morning, it's going to get worse. Much worse. All right, let me take a break. Stay right where you are. A lot more to talk about. I do have to talk about what's going on in our Congress because I'm I'm just, I'm very angry about this. And... A couple of other subjects that uh, have come up in the last 24 hours, which, of course, we're paying no attention to because there's just too much bad news to cover it all. Stay right where you are. So Ben Shapiro wrote a very interesting op-ed about how do we avoid a world war. And it's amazing how he remembers. So, you know, I remember certain things. Shapiro remembers certain things. You have to have a, my short-term memory is awful. You know, I can't remember what I came into the room for half the time. But my long-term memory is extraordinary, especially when it comes to news events that mattered to me. They may not have mattered to everyone, but they mattered to me. And he talks about how in 1990, after Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, President George H.W. Bush didn't really know what to do. On one hand, he saw the necessity of pushing Saddam out of, uh, out of Kuwait and making it still uh, obvious to the world that America was strong in the region. But on the other hand, he understood that you don't want conflict in this part of the world. Three weeks after that invasion, he still hadn't even made a decision and that's when he got the phone call from the British Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher. And she said, remember, George, this is no time to go wobbly. He didn't go wobbly. The United States ended up expelling Saddam Hussein from Kuwait. And Ben Shapiro pointed out in his article, that was really the last military victory America's had. You know, today... 
We face down threats on all sides. And this is our own problem. We created this problem because we're always trying to make nice to our most vicious enemies. We cut bad deals with Iran just uh, you know, to keep Russia from further aggression in Crimea. We, we bow before Xi, you know, Xi Jinping and, and Chinese expansionism. We give money to Hamas. We're giving the Palestinian Authority a million dollars right now. You know, we abandoned Afghanistan to the Taliban. We just walked away after we had brave men and women die there. We gave up an Air Force base and then left Americans to die there. America's foreign policy, especially under the, the Democrats, uh, Obama and Joe Biden, is horrifying. But I'll tell you one thing, it's good for our enemies. They're more aggressive and, and, and more victorious than ever. And that's what you saw last week. You saw the worst single terror attack on the West since 9-11. You saw a murderous rampage through southern Israel. Killed 1,300 people, 200 people still hostages. Hopefully, they're still alive. And America's enemies are doing exactly what Margaret Thatcher said. They're watching and betting that Biden is going to get wobbly. They're betting on a morally blind media to keep telling Israel, oh, you're going to proportionality. As I pointed out in my... uh, thought of the day, either yesterday or today, who knows, I don't remember anymore, though all the days are running together. What does proportionality mean? For every baby they behead, we behead, you know, the the Israelis behead one? For every American hostage they kill, we kill a Palestinian? I, I, I don't know what they mean by proportionality. How can you be proportional when the other side are terrorists hell-bent on bloodlust, killing everybody? just because they're Jewish or just because they're standing in the way. They think we're going to go wobbly. And I have no evidence that we're not. They're betting on this left wing in our country to pressure Joe Biden and his administration to push Israel to not fight, to stop before they win. And let me tell you something, if that happens... If they stop before they beat Hamas and they leave Hamas in the Gaza Strip, strip rather, you know what will be the end of that? Hamas will consolidate all of its support among all the Palestinian Arabs in the West Bank and they'll get another massive terror threat for Israel from its east. It's already materializing. Palestinian terrorists have already attempted to infiltrate multiple areas of Judea and Samaria. On Friday night, mosques around Israel played a call expressing solidarity with Hamas, calling for Palestinians to join the violence. That's only going to go worse if Hamas survives. Meanwhile, Hezbollah in the north, well, they know that Israel is surrounded on all sides. And so they may choose to launch a massive offensive against Israel that'll end with tens of thousands of dead Jews. And it's Israel itself maybe off the map. Again, that's a very real possibility. Israel is apparently even holding off this ground offensive, trying to 
to retain enough troops in the north to prevent Hezbollah from attacking. But if Hezbollah jumps in, then Israel's going to have to respond with everything it has in its arsenal, as it would have to. Because Iran, with Russia and Chinese backing, is then going to enter the conflict. And at that point, the nuclear conflict is certainly not going to be off the table. Israel will not allow a second Holocaust to take place without using everything in its arsenal. In fact, an Iranian attack on Israel could turn into a next-stage Sunni-Shiite war thanks to the increased power, the increased regional power that Iran now has. And at some point in this chain of events, America's going to be dragged directly into that war. And meanwhile, the world's oil supply will be radically decreased and it'll crash the global economy. Or maybe America can stand tall, not get wobbly. And it's a simple strategy. America's role doesn't have to require use of force. America has to give Israel everything they need, material, moral support to destroy Hamas. Israel is going to shed its own blood, the blood of its own citizens, in order to protect civilians and kill terrorists. But Israel is going to need rearmament, and Americans should do it. And Israel wounded by Hamas is an invitation to much more conflict, much broader conflict all over the Middle East. And maybe another aspect is America maybe might want to use their diplomatic might and push to alleviate the situation on the Arab side. They ought to push Egypt to open its border to refugees. They ought to push Turkey to accept refugees. They ought to put leverage on Qatar into turning over Hamas leadership to some international body. And they ought to push Qatar to get Hamas to release American and other hostages that are held. And finally, they have to deter other actors from escalating this conflict. And that's, we assume, why Joe Biden is visiting Israel and why America has aircraft carriers stationed in the Mediterranean because an ounce of prevention may be worth a kiloton of cure. All of this is entirely doable without expending a lot of American treasure or any American blood. But it only happens if the Biden administration doesn't go wobbly. If it doesn't start parroting this moral equivalence of proportionality crap that the media or the, uh, or the, the squad or any of these pseudo-humanitarian organizations that uh, make no demands of Hamas and all the demands on Israel. America has to flex our muscles without actually using them. A world without America is a dark and chaotic place and a much more dangerous place for us. But we can't go wobbly. All right, let me take a break. Don't forget, coming up after me is Eric Erickson. Then uh, we see um, Joe Pags and then Lars Larson and then the Overnight Guys. Then tomorrow morning, Jen and Bill will be back with the South Florida Morning Show, followed at 9 by Brian Kilmeade at noon by Dan Bongino, and I get to come back at 3 o'clock. I still have one segment left today, so just stay right where you are. I will be right back. So it's just uh, going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But I do believe, I still have faith. I don't know where it comes from, but I still have faith. Or else it's the beginning of the three and a half years. Either way. 
um, people have to deal with the the COVID thing still. You know the 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 mRNA whatever shots whatever you want to call them. People are not taking them. They know the side effects can be brutal, and they don't want these shots. So this once heralded vaccine biotechnology officially died after a very long illness. Maybe myocarditis or type 1 diabetes could have been a shingles infection or possibly just a mix of uselessness and nasty side effects. Alex Berenson says, Dr. Mandy Cohen, the director of the Centers for Disease Control, accidentally announced mRNA's passing on Friday on X, also known as Twitter, wearing a blue dress and her trademark vapid smile love the way he writes. Dr. Cohen admittedly barely one admitted barely one out of 50 Americans have received the new mRNA Omicron booster. Do you know anybody who's received it? Because I don't. Hours later, Pfizer confirmed the death of mRNA, saying it will write off nearly $1 billion in mRNA jab inventory because of weak demand. Pfizer expects the market for shots to be one-third smaller than it predicted just weeks ago, although even the new estimate appears too high. Okay, so mRNAs aren't actually dead, but even as the CDC and the vaccine manufacturers are all promoting the new booster with all these massive ad campaigns, you know, even Travis Kelsey's uh, shucking and grinning for Pfizer can't save them, can't save the shots. And Wall Street has noticed because since the announcements on Friday, shares in Moderna, which unlike Pfizer has no other products and relies only on mRNA COVID shots for revenue, they fell almost 15%. And amazingly, Moderna is now off 80% from its peak in the summer of 2021, which was its highest weekly close ever, one day after President Biden announced the COVID jab workplace mandates. Even more amazingly, Moderna and Pfizer now trade lower than they did in November of 2020. Before the companies even announced clinical trial results, the, the results that showed the jabs work nearly perfectly against COVID. Remember that? Nearly perfectly. But since then, the two companies have sharply underperformed the stock market as a whole. It's as if the trials never even happened. Hmm. On a conference call on Monday morning, Dr. Albert Bourla, Pfizer's chairman and the world's favorite veterinarian, knew just who to blame for the shortfall in demand. Anti-vaxxers. <laughs> We're experiencing a peak of anti-vaccination rhetoric, he told investors. Uh, he's a defendant in Berenson versus Biden, the federal lawsuit. <laughs> On the call, Burla predicted about one in six Americans or 55 million people would take this year's booster during the 23 to 24 vaccination season. Less than a month ago, after the rollout, rollout had begun, Pfizer predicted the figure would be about one in four or 82 million people. Put another way, Pfizer has cut its estimates for demand for the shots by one third in a matter of weeks. But even the new 55 million figure may be too high. It equals the number of the bivalent boosters given during the 2022 to 23 jab season. And Borla told an analyst that Pfizer is simply assuming 
that the people that did it this year will continue doing it next year. Mm, I don't think so. So I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at three o'clock if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And kudos and thanks to all my fellow employees for our work for Habitat for Humanity this, this morning. May God bless you. May God bless Israel. And may God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.